Welcome to season four of the Dynamic Leader Podcast. My name is Shelley Flett. I believe that leadership at its core requires strong relationships, the ability to sit in a space of genuine curiosity and the courage to build capability in others. I believe great leaders are lifelong learners, and so my intention is to help you to continue your learning journey by bringing you new perspectives from experts in their field. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Dynamic Leader Conversation. So today's conversation is about this transition that we make from um, being an individual contributor uh, and often appear to, um, you know, the people um, that we're working with into leadership with the same people. So that transition from individual contributor to then um, leader or manager or supervisor, uh, it's one of those transitions that I don't know that anyone's really perfected and I don't know that you can prepare people um, for. But I do know that it's helpful talking to people who have made the transition where, you know, one day you are someone's peer and the next day you are their leader. And how do you deal with the awkwardness um, around it? Uh, and so I actually have a, um, a leader joining me today, Wayne Shembury, who is an experienced operations manager. Uh, he's got an expertise in insurance um, and he's currently working with Link Group here in Melbourne. He made the move to um, the superannuation industry back in 2006, um, and what he is committed to is his people. He enjoys getting to know them, building relationships, and understanding what motivates them. And he sees their health and well-being as the heart of his decision-making um, and makes every attempt to balance the needs of his people with the needs of the business. No doubt this is a process that he's um, learned to do over the years, but thank you so much for joining us, Wayne. Thanks for having me, Shelley. So tell us, um, tell us about how, you know, what were you doing? What was your area of expertise when you were an individual contributor? Were you, you know, one of the best? Uh, I wouldn't say I was one of the best, but um, yeah, I certainly I moved into superannuation not knowing uh, really anything about superannuation other than what it was designed for. Um, so it was a very steep learning curve uh, for me when I moved into. Um, the superannuation industry as a contact center consultant um, back in 2006. So um, really learning all about uh, superannuation, uh, the, you know, little uh, intricacies of what you needed to do to service a member and what they were looking for um, from us as a super fund. Um, and uh, yeah, learning all about uh, superannuation insurance investments uh, and all the box and dice that goes along with that. So I wouldn't say I was one of the, the best, but uh, I certainly learned a lot um, in those early years. And I always find that, you know, starting off and learning in that contact centre environment is a great uh, foundation for, you know, progression, um, you know, into a niche area. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. And it's kind of like um, y- you learn by... Um, being thrown in it, um, you know, you're, you're sort of learning, you're training one day and you're buddying with someone and then it's like, okay, go. And really it's interesting because it's hard to prepare yourself for those first few calls, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get and uh, never know, yeah, how uh, people are going to, uh, I guess, converse with you and then react in some circumstances, whether they're, uh, you know, there to inquire or there to um, maybe uh, complain uh, or, or uh, you know, from from what they've uh, experienced previously. So you never know what you're going to get. And um, you, the I guess the benefit of starting out in a, a contact centre, because, you know, you and I share that, um, we have that in common, is that you learn really early about the importance of metrics and the specific outputs. And I, I don't know about you, but today I'm just so grateful for, for having that awareness early on. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was probably really, really fortunate because when I started uh, my journey in the contact centre, uh, metrics weren't as, uh, as, as you know, wide and um, uh, widely used as what they are today. So I often think back and think uh, I'm so glad that I wasn't um, as bound by all of those uh, metrics and data points um, as, as what some of our consultants are today. Yeah. I yeah. remember, um, I don't know if um, 
when I when I first started in um, contact centers, it was in a telecommunications company, and so they measured a lot of things, but they didn't have um, live call recording. Yeah. Uh, it was it was manual, and um, you could usually the team leader would jack in to the call, so they would like tap in. Um, and so like the older phone systems, you'd, you'd hear a bit of a click. So you, you're always listening for the click. And when you heard that you were on your best behavior. Um, but a lot of time, a lot of the time it was, um, you know, the chances of your call being heard were really low. And so, you know, you sort of worked (laughs) really (laughs) equally, I think, to, to play the system and, and make sure you could get the best outcome. I think at the end, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, but I, I realized that um, it was easier just to do a good job all the time than being than constantly trying to um, think about or notice when they might have been listening. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, yeah. Um, we had the the same uh, system um, back then, where yeah, if if someone wanted to listen to a phone call or uh, you're butting up with someone, it was that that double jack system. Um, the person right next to you knew they were there listening in. Um, but yeah, for me, it was always about um, the, the the member, the customer, uh, and making sure that um, you know you service them uh, first time uh, with quality and. Uh, yeah, in, funny funny thing about that is my my team leader back then was always telling me about oh your average handling time is too high you need to get that down by another thirty seconds and my answer to that was always well I give the member what they want first time so they don't call back and um, and that's where I say I probably um, am very happy that I'm not in that scenario now where you know I'm being squeezed down for time on those calls but mm. for me it was about making sure that they were service first time round. Mm. Yeah. And when you, so when you were in that um you know in the contact center consultant role, what was your relationship like with your peers? Did you go out on a Friday night? Like what was it like? <laughs> uh, we had a great culture back then of um I guess yeah Friday night drinks. Um we're so far away from that now I think over the last couple of years um with hybrid working, remote working and you know, people uh, probably not really going into the office environments on a Friday. Um, I think I'm experiencing it's more, you know, between the Tuesday and the Thursday where people are, you know, really coming into the office to work. But yeah, back then it was a, a fantastic team culture. Everyone looked forward to Friday uh, night and and that was whether, you know, you finished at four o'clock or you're on the eight o'clock shift, everyone was still there and uh, you would generally congregate to um, one or two of the three pubs around that were close by the office Gosh, I, I just really <laughs> love the connection and the mood like it was such a fun place to be um when I was younger and um it just it was the connections and the relationships that you made were just so special um I definitely, I think because of that, because of how good the relationships were and maybe a little bit around how unruly I, I became sometimes uh, after a few too many, <laughs> I found it really hard to then move into that, um, you know, senior officer, team leader kind of space. What was your transition like? Uh, my transition at the time into uh, leadership, I'd been uh, through a couple of uh different contact centre roles and and I'd moved into uh, a specialist uh, area on our fund admin side, which was working directly with um, one of the fund transition, uh, sorry, one of the fund trustee offices. Um, And it was a very specialised niche area. There was about uh, six of us in that team, uh, plus my team leader at the time. And we had a really great relationship. Some of us had um, been in that contact centre environment, but we were very specialised in and knowledgeable in superannuation and all the parts. But part of that role uh, was really about the key relationships internally to make sure that we could get the things we needed done for the trustee office in a very, very short uh, turnaround time. And um, and so building those key relationships across um, our internal teams was really important. Stepping up into leadership, I was very fortunate at the time to uh, my first team leader role was within that same team. And I think back uh, to that time and I was so excited um, by it. it was something that I really, really wanted. I'd wanted it for a long time. Um, and um, when I think back to the people who were in that 
team, I wasn't the most, I wasn't there for the longest. Um, I wasn't the most experienced or knowledgeable in all areas. Um, but I really had that drive to, to step up um, and, and kind of lead that team. Um, and I thought it would be easy because, you know, I'd, I'd known all of those people for a, a very long time. Um, one of them uh, was a much older lady than me, and she was my senior contacts and a consultant who supported me moving into my first role with the business um, as a contacts and a consultant. And so she was my senior in, in, in that area for, I guess, the first 12 months. We then worked together in the same team as a peer mm -hmm. uh, for the next uh, 12 to 18 months, um, maybe even two years. I can't remember exactly the time frame. But um, then for me to step up as her team leader for me was exciting, but it was also daunting as well because we had so much history and I respected her a lot. She was my leader um, in my early stage and really was probably one of the number one people who had invested in me to get to, you know, that position of mm. being in that opportunity. So I found it quite uh, challenging, but exciting. Um, and um, yeah, it just changed the dynamic of my relationship with my peers at the time. And how did you approach that? Like, how do you, how did you approach conversations, like just the basics? Yeah. So I guess in the early stages, because we knew each other so well, uh, and, you know, as, as you mentioned, we we went out on Friday nights and on the weekends um, as well and and had lunches uh, and dinners. We had a, we were a really close-knit team. Um, so we had that, I guess, foundation of real respect for each other. Um we, we were all good at our job um, in that team. And so there was a, there was a, uh, a respective reliance, openness, honesty, um, and we could also provide feedback and, and help each other along the way. That was the foundation of our, of our team. Uh, I guess when moving into that leadership role, you know, the first one-on-one -on -one conversations I remember were, were quite interesting. And uh, if I think back to those times, I, I probably had no real idea what I was kind of getting to, but um, I had a template. I'd been through some internal leadership courses and uh, it was more about getting to know them and, you know, understanding um, their own development needs, uh, which they had, um, some of them had set up with the previous team leader who I took over from. And so for me, it was about understanding uh, what is it that they were motivated by why were they coming to work every day um, what they were what were they working towards as well um, and how I could support them with that um, we were also a team that really looked at continuous improvement when we were identifying different areas of need across um, our administration teams so that was a key focus for us was about um, what were the ideas that they had and how could we go about exploring better ways of working in our business too. And so, because it sounds so different from my experience and I and I want to ask you about the modelling that you had when doing that. Like who was it that you looked to, um, to sort of on how you approached it? Because I remember when I did it, um, I... I had a few leaders around me that kind of gave me advice. It's like, and the advice wasn't great. It was, um, you've got to, um, you've got to uh, remove yourself from, you know, you, they're not your friend. They're your, yep. they're your staff member. Um, you've got to draw the line. You can't be friend, you know, you can't sort of cross that line and you kind of got to show them who's boss. And, you know, maybe that's my interpretation of what I was hearing. Maybe that's not what they said, <laughs> which is highly possible. Um, but, yeah, I just, I, I took their word for it and I approached, I approached my role as leader really seriously and I didn't do great with holding relationships. So I'm really curious about, was there any part of you that was um, influenced by anyone with your approach? How did you know um, it was the right way? I know you said you did some leadership programs, which was helpful. Yep. Yeah, I did some um, internal, uh, prior to, did some internal um leadership 
uh, programs that were on offer um, through our L&D team at the time. And, um, you know, we had had some really great uh, sessions, um, which were, were for aspiring leaders, so not necessarily people who were in the role, um, but people who were looking uh, to develop. Um, and so, you know, they were really helpful in, in having um, those courageous conversations and learning, uh, I guess, how you can... Um, you know, plan for them. Planning is really important for those types of conversations um, and how you can navigate through some of the tricky uh, situations uh, that you may find yourself in. Um, I did have um, some really great uh, leaders around me. So, uh, you know, as part of a wider um, uh, team leadership uh, uh, peer group and, and some really experienced leaders in there. So there were probably one or two that I really uh, leveraged off. Um, I reported into uh, an operations manager and a senior operations manager. So ga- gaining their perspective, they'd been in uh, the industry for a long time. Uh, two completely different uh, leaders, and and you know I probably learned, if I'm really honest, um, and and I've I've heard this a lot from you know other leaders. You generally learn a lot about uh, what not to do by observing sometimes other leaders and and yeah i do think that um i've seen uh the types of leadership that you've uh, described shelly around um you know that hard and fast management style rather than that uh that leadership or the balance you need to have a bit of balance between leading and sometimes managing um Mm -hmm. but it can't be kind of one way or the other i think you've got to have a a little bit of a, a balance there's that pendulum in the middle that may swing a little bit from side to side um, and, um, and and where you need to, you need to be able to adapt your approach. So for me, I think early on it was about, um, yeah, it was really interesting. Everything was going really well from a team perspective. Um, I think there were a couple of um, moments that I remember where, um, you know, with my uh, client that I had the relationship with were starting to maybe focusing on a couple of key areas that our team may have been delivering on before and then started to maybe drop some quality aspects. And that was probably the trigger for me to start thinking about, okay, well, what is it that the client is looking for? Why are we not delivering that? Because we, it's never been a problem before. Um, and how do I, you know, engage my team to um, understand that and then re- resolve those issues, you know, upskill, um, to make sure we're hitting those measures. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if I go through that process, you know, there, there were um, a couple of instances where, you know, I needed to even step in and start coaching plans and then even, you know, in one case, performance management for who used to be my peers, but now uh, were my team that I needed to lead. Yeah. And how did you, um, what happened to the relationship during that time because I think that's really important to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, my first, uh, I guess, uh, step into performance management for one of my team members at the time um, probably didn't go very well to start with, uh, to be really honest with you. Um, yeah, the conversation was was quite challenging um, and, you know, I worked worked through it endlessly uh, with this person on a number of occasions, and um, it was about trying to get the, that realization of, um, you know, where the gaps were, um, and 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 um, I guess getting them on the same page in terms of what we needed to deliver and where their gaps were, why, and then trying to understand why they weren't being able to deliver that, um, and and I think. I thought at the time I was managing those conversations quite well. I may not have been <laughs> if I look back upon reflection, but um, what I was able to do was, I guess, was persist through that. Um, and, you know, I was able to, to get them to see the perspective that I was sharing and the perspective of the client. Um, and that I was there for support as well. It wasn't about performance managing people out of the team or out of the role, but it was a genuine um uh, I guess want from myself an investment into them uh, to look at how can I get you back on track, upskill you, support you to be 
delivering again and also be happy and getting role satisfaction because no one likes to be told they're not doing a great job. Um, and I believe everyone comes to work, you know, with the great intention of doing a great job. Um, so to find you may not be delivering on, on that can be hard for people. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, do you now, as someone who who now leads leaders, do you see that um, the belief that the leader has when they're entering a performance management conversation has a, a, a link or is connected to the outcome? So, for example, when I went into a performance management co- conversation back in the early days, it was you've got to go. Like I don't want to manage you anymore. And that was more about me than it was about them. But it seemed to be a, you know, a self-fulfilling outcome because yep. of what I believed. Do you see, and I see that in others, but what do you see? Uh, I've seen a bit of both in terms of um, what I've experienced with um, uh, leading leaders is there are times when, um, you know, leaders will set out uh, the plans and it is all about um, working through, uh, the upskilling process and and uh, developing uh, their people for a successful outcome, um, and and I've also seen the flip side of that where, um, you know, in conversation you you may find that um, there is that, you know, I guess want to get that adverse outcome for the staff member, but that then may seem like a positive outcome for the leader um, and and it and, and it can be about you know the the time investment in in coaching and uh, even getting to the stage of performance management is a lot um, and it takes a lot of time uh, you do it over a number of weeks and sometimes it's a roller coaster um, you know they they perform and then uh, you, you see that dip um, and it can be you know I guess emotionally draining for both parties so um, I do see probably both um, examples where, yeah, if if people, uh, if leaders really are looking to get that positive outcome, uh, often I do see the lead up, the planning and uh, the discussion being quite a different one uh, mm-hmm. where a leader wants a slightly different outcome. What do you say to leaders who, because um, as you said, it's a it's a huge investment of time and emotion and energy that goes into yep. um, supporting someone through their performance challenges. What and we know that leaders are squeezed, and I would say that contact centre leaders have always been squeezed. So yep. they're they're probably a little bit more resilient and have got a thicker skin than most. What do you say to leaders who are, you know, they're they're being squeezed? And they're wanting to, because I would say path of least resistance is to exit someone. Yep. Um, and you're seeing that they're just kind of over it. What do you say to them? Um, I talk through, I mean, within a team, if you're looking to de- develop a high-performing team, you'll always have, uh, I guess, the core group of uh, people who are, you know, in the middle doing a really good job and and looking to, I guess, progress to exceed, you know, their, um, you know, KPIs or, or what they need to deliver. Um, you'll always have that small group at the top who, you know, are just absolutely flying um, and you don't really need to do anything with them for them to perform, but it's in ensuring that you're supporting um, their needs uh, generally through, future development and and uh, potential career progression and and that may be you know assigning uh higher duties and and different um uh, responsibilities within the team which then motivates them uh, to go a little bit further as well um but you're always going to have the one or two in in your team regardless i feel where you're probably spending more of your time and and energy um and that might not be the same one or two people all the time. I think we we often in in business uh, get a bit distracted with everything that we need to do and deliver. But people have lives outside of work as well, and mm-hmm. and external environments um, and and things that happen outside of uh, the work environment can impact uh, your staff members' performance at work. And and so I guess what I'm I'm saying there is the people who are in the middle and high performing. They may be there today, but they may not be 
in another couple of weeks. So you might be then focused on them and understanding how to support them and then uplift them back to where you need them to be. So I think, um, yeah, in my conversations with with my leaders, often, um, you know, we we may be talking about, um, you know, those one or, or two uh, or three, and, and it may be different each time. But there are situations where um, I've experienced in, in, in the past where, you know, leaders are, and, and I've done this myself as a, as a, as a team uh, manager, you know, I've managed um, uh, performance, you know, for individuals over a long, long period of time. Uh, and as I said before, often there's that roller coaster of, um, you know, uh, they pep up, they deliver over a four, six week period, everything goes back to normal. And then in two or three weeks time that drops off again, and you've got to go back um, and and almost repeat the process in some way, shape, or form. But um, I think it's more about um, understanding what you're there to do as a leader. Um, it is about support of your people. Uh, it is about making sure that they have everything that they need in their environment to uh, succeed, and and that means investing, you know, more time into those who have, may have more development needs. Um, and, and and I guess I don't profess to say that I do everything the the right way all the time. And um, you know I've I've had a lot of learnings over the years. But um, you know there are times as well that um, people um, may work through that process and 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 they may get to the end of that and feel you know this isn't the right environment for me or at this point in time in my life with what I've got going on this role is too much. Um, and, and that's where, you know, we talk to, I guess, the openness, the honesty and having the relationship mm-hmm. uh, as strong as it can be to be able to have that safe environment, to have that open conversation as well, that mm-hmm. two-way conversation, not just a leader then uh, working through, you know, what their ideal outcome would look like. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, being in service, like really genuinely in service to your people is really a huge component of your job, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And it's a challenge to balance. Um, You know, the business has needs to deliver. Clients are looking for us uh, to deliver. Um, And sometimes the, I guess, the business environment and the busyness of everything going on, uh, it doesn't holistically allow you the time and space to work on that long-term development and and building from failure um, because everybody needs to fail at some point in time to then learn from that. But, um, you know, I guess in my industry across superannuation and insurance, we, we ask for 100% perfection, but it's not realistic at the same time. So I think it's that's where the balancing of, uh, I guess, the development needs and the delivery is really important. Do you um, do you see that for leaders to be, you know, truly and authentically in service to their people, they they have to look after themselves first, and that that can be an obstacle for a lot of them? Absolutely, and um, yeah, we we talk about self care all the time. Do we do it all the time? I would say no. I'm I'm, I'm world renowned i think for uh uh being the comeback kid for when it comes to exercise and and all of the things i know that works for me with self-care um but you know it certainly doesn't stop me from um from sharing uh you know how to care for yourself and make sure that we're reminding you know our leaders our people uh to look after themselves um yeah i often I have great conversations with my daughter on the way to school and uh, and to her activities. And um, I think she's going to be a budding leader as she uh, grows up. But um, yeah, we're often sharing uh, different things and we're talking about looking, looking after yourself. Uh, I think it was last week as we, we went to school and, and I did say to her, you know, if, if you don't look after yourself, like you've only got one body, uh, if you don't look after yourself, what do you have? And she said, I, I don't know. And I said, nobody. <laughs> and uh, so, I you love know, that. to me, it's almost it, a was, dad uh, joke, but with really did, like wise, like, yeah. it's like, oh, oh, funny, but oh, I like that too. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a dad joke, but um, yeah, it, it, it is utterly true. You only have, you know, one body. Um, you've got to look after yourself. Um, and self care is so important. 
And I think I find when I'm doing all of the right things from a health perspective, um, I'm one that I need that physical release. Um, and that's probably where I, I struggle to sometimes motivate myself uh, to go and do the things that will uh, allow me to release stress, pressure, and um, and clear my head. But um, when I do, and when I'm in that mode of regular exercise and and really self-caring i find i'm 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 more attuned to uh not just myself but my leaders and the other things that are, that are happening around me and being able to invest more in those external relationships which is so important yeah it's interesting when i um, when i think back over all of the leaders that i've had I actually think that my well-being from a health fitness perspective has mirrored, I didn't know this at the time, but just thinking about it now, has really mirrored a lot of what theirs was. So, you know, if I had a boss, I remember having a boss, she was amazing, but she would make sure she'd get up and go for a run or go to the gym before work each morning. And she had three kids and I've got three kids. I was like, well, how does she do it? And, you know, so she was my inspiration. She never, ever said anything. There was no pressure but I saw how she did it and then but then I think back to managers prior to that, um, one in particular who was just super passionate about what he did and didn't look after himself and it correlated to me not looking after myself either. And I didn't, it was not conscious. So yep. really interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I've had uh, yeah, other, other managers who have been right into their fitness and, and um, you know, we've compared you know, uh, going for runs and, you know, uh, going through the periods of signing up for half marathons and going for those runs. How did you go, you know, last week and what are you working on and and those sort of things. And I feel like if you've got that connection with your people and, um, yeah, often you're finding that they're, uh, you know, doing particular self-care activities, often I think it just, you know, makes you think, okay, I wonder if that works for me. Um, because not, not, not the things that work for me are not always going to work for you. Um, and, uh, you know, some people love to get out there and exercise. Other people just love to sit there and, you know, get half an hour to read a book. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's just finding what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, you know, what, what it is or how you care for yourself, is quite unique. I think it's the your it's being able to see your leader actually takes the time and makes it a priority. Yeah. Um, rather than just talking about it. You know, the the likelihood of your team looking after themselves I think has a direct correlation to your ability to look after yourself. Yep. Yep, I can see that that would be um yeah, direct correlation, but um yeah, I I, I think you know the more that we can certainly invest time in ourselves and you know you, you hear all the uh the cliches and the the memes and the slogans and the the quotes and you know we have uh, obviously 24 hours a day and you know even if you invested you know if you're short for time and you invested 10 minutes or 20 minutes a day often i can't find that but um uh that it's so important to do yeah, yeah. it's so important to do this is my reminder to get back on uh, and self-care for myself, by the way. <laughs> You're making a declaration. <laughs> it's one that I, I will declare and then I'll probably fall off the wagon and break again, but I'll self-declare again and and off we go. But, um, yeah, I think it, it's about self-awareness and I guess recognising those times when, mm-hmm. you know, you need to take a step back and go, okay, I'm not doing the things I know work for me and yeah. now I need to do that. Yeah. yeah how do I do it? I love that you mentioned self-awareness because throughout our conversation so far, it's one thing that I've picked up from you is that you seem to have a really, really good level of self-awareness. How important is that, do you think, for the leaders? Uh, ultra important. <laughs> I think it's one of the things that, you, yeah, you really need to um, be uh, quite attuned to yourself and being uh, aware of, uh, of not just what's around you, but um, yeah, just within yourself, being being aware. I think reflection is really important uh, too, and I, I guess I tie that in with um, with self awareness. But yeah, taking the time out, um, whether it's at the end of your day or end of your week, to really 
sit back and reflect on uh, how your week has gone. Um, you know, I, I um, often talk to my leaders about you know, in, in our conversations throughout the week, you know, not just about our, our work position and how we're tracking along and towards our goals, but, you know, often we, we're in that mode of um, things are so busy and we're always looking at the, the negatives of what isn't going well. Um, but there are things that go well for you mm. every day. Um, and it's, you know, a really great opportunity at the end of the day, just to think back and think, well, what did go well for me today? Um, it's also important to think about, well, what did I struggle with? And, you know, what did I, I fail at? Um, uh, and I think that gives you that full perspective and, and helps with that self-awareness, but also that gratitude piece of, you know, um, that, that things are going well for you, even if you are working through a challenging period, because mm. if we're not thinking about those things and we're only thinking about the negatives and what we're struggling with, I do find that we uh, fall into that little bit of a rabbit hole um, around everything, you know, is not going well. Um, and, uh, and I don't know if I can get out of this. So I think if you can identify the one or two things that really do go well for you, either each day or throughout your week, um, and think about those positives. It's a really great way of being able to, um, I guess, embrace those challenges and and um, and show resilience and overcome them. And is that are they questions that you ask of the people who work with you when you sense that their self awareness might not necessarily be that great? Um, is that are they the questions you would start with? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, you know we we. We've probably ingrained that into, um, you know, our our leadership group meetings. But, um, yeah, when it comes to one-on-ones, you know, I, I find one-on-one conversations with um, my, my leaders are really important. Um, I have them fortnightly. Um, and so, you know, just sitting down and having a conversation uh, and being able to, you know, understand uh, what's happening, you know, in their, in their lives as well is really important. But um, yeah, honing in on those questions mm-hmm. around what's going well for you, what are you struggling with, um, what can I do for you? I'm I'm always uh, one who, in every conversation, whether it's in our group setting or in our one-on-one, um, I'm always asking at the end of uh, or, or partway through our meeting, you know, what more can I do for you uh, to help to help you? And and often there probably isn't, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's something that I always make sure that I I offer, mm. and and the feedback uh, to me of what I what am I doing well, um, and what are the things that you know you, you think I can improve on as a leader. I think is always important to be able to offer as well, um, and I think that helps that that feedback loop. Um, and and um, you know, I'm I'm there to give feedback um, and help them develop, but. You know, I learn just as much every day from my own leaders as what um, I hope they do from from me. Yeah, it's um, definitely uh, an important skill to um, to master and to be able yeah. to um, sit and reflect and and then ask others and have that um, the the trust. You know, deep enough trust that you can um, really open up those conversations. And I love um, I love how you will always ask, is there anything that I can do for you? Um, I think there's leaders that go, I I don't even have lunch today. Yeah. I don't want to ask that question because I don't want more, more work. Um, but to your point, when you ask it, it doesn't, you know, the amount of times it's taken up, I, I reckon about 2%. Like it's so low when, you know, when you're building that connection, you're empowering them, you're building their capabilities. They don't, they don't really need anything, but it's nice to know that you you're there. That's right. And I, I just feel it's an offer of, of support. Like if, if it is taken up and, and, yeah. you know, I'm provided with, uh, you know, an answer of, yes, this is what you could do for me. Uh, I'd, I'd certainly, um, you know, be open to acting on, on that wherever I, I could, um, if that was a possibility, but sometimes they're just throwing, um, you know, you, you put that out there and, and, you know, your team or your leader may give you an idea. Um, actually, I've been thinking about X mm. and, you know, I don't know if it'll work, but what what are your thoughts? Um, and, and at least you may not have the answer and that might not be the solution to the problem at the time, but it may be something you take away and, and think about 
um, and it may help down the track to say, okay, well, that was the idea. Um, we may not be able to do that, but I've thought about it um, and something else may come of it. We may find another solution. So yeah. I think sometimes it's just uh, providing that that space um, for number one, to ask that question and number two, uh, to provide or gain that answer back from your leader, mm. which may end up just being a, you know, maybe a flippant comment or an idea um, yeah. that you can then, you know, look at a little bit closer as you move on from there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's the important part of it. But often, often, as you mentioned, um, it may be, uh, no, there isn't anything that you can do. You're providing the support needed and, yeah. um yeah, at least you're getting that confirmation back that you're actually providing that support too. Because um, often I think we assume mm-hmm. we're doing all the right things and we're providing that support and, you know, you may not be as well. So I think yeah. providing the opportunity to ask that question and gain the answer, uh, I think validates um, how your leaders are feeling and how your people are feeling about your leadership and support. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, for sure. Um, so, um you had an operations or you had a leader who said to you at one point in your career that you need to go and lead a team that you don't know with work that you're not a specialist in and with a high volume of work. Um, and you've done that. Yep. And I'd love to hear what the value. So is that something that you now say to your leaders? Is that like, what do you see as being the importance of doing that? Yeah, that was, um, a great piece of advice I think that I, I got at the time because I, I was working in uh, my first, I guess, team leader role in in uh, this business. And you know, after two years, I thought I was pretty great. <laughs> I was doing a great job. And I had that desire to progress into an operations manager role and um, maybe wrongly, um, probably perceiving uh, leaders at, in, in, in the business thinking, well, I could do that job. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've ever felt, uh, you know, those <laughs> types of sentiments. All the time, still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so probably over, maybe overconfident um, at the time. And if I think back, I probably couldn't have done <laughs> their role uh, at, at, at that point in time. I did actually, um, that, that piece of advice came on the back of an interview uh, that I um was able to get for an operations manager role at that point in time. And and so I took that as really great development uh, feedback. Um, and I was working in a specialised team and and um, they said to me, yeah, go and lead. You need to go and lead something that's high value, uh, sorry, high, high volume um, that you don't know. You need to learn it, you know, work with new people uh, and see how you go. Um, and that's going to help you gain more of an understanding of our business, um, you know, the levers you need to pull, how you can, I guess, motivate and influence people to get results. Um, and, you know, that's going to be your next step of progression uh, towards where you want to be. And so I moved into, uh, I was fortunate at the time that uh, our insurance area uh, of our business was changing. And I had already um, some great relationships set up uh, in those areas. So I was able to find out a little bit about what was happening in there. Um, and fortunate for me, I went through the process and was able to um, progress into a team manager role. But as much as I knew about insurance within superannuation, I didn't know, I'd never assessed a claim before. Um, and I was going in to lead a team of claims assessors who were there to um, assess income protection, TPD claims, all of those sort of things. And um, and it was a brand new model that was progressing Um as part of our tripartite relationship with our client and our insurer. And um, uh, yeah, if I think back to those times, it was, I was very reliant on my own leadership skills and uh, getting to know the people, investing in them. And I was learning as much as I could about all of the metrics, all of the role, how do they go about making those decisions and, workflow and all of those types of things. And I'm really grateful uh, that I made that move because, you know, I, I learned so much. Um, and, you know, in the last, I guess, 10 or 11 years, I've worked in the same business unit um, and, you know, I've had lots of opportunity to do, um, you know, varying uh, kind of 
leadership roles within the same role, if that makes sense, um, as mm. we've tried to, you know, change the way we've operated and, and tried uh, different things as a business. Uh, and that's led for me to step into the operations manager role. But I think going back to your question, um, my leaders are very fortunate, I guess, because they're in that high volume um, uh, kind of work environment. Insurance and claims is crazy. It is always high volume, yeah. even when it's quiet. Uh, it's never quiet. But um, I think you have two paces. It's, it's uh, you know, busy and it's chaos and um, it sort of fluctuates in between there. Um, but I have given that advice to a number of people before um, that may be working in, um, you know, uh, leadership roles that are you know, in those specialised areas Um or in, in those technical type of uh, areas where, you know, they have a different way of, of working through workflow. They may be supporting um, the high volume areas of our business and doing a really great job and, and, um, and leading their people really well. But I think until you get in the coal face of, um, you know, that high volume work, whether that be, you know, insurance and claims, whether it be in fund administration, um, whether it be in the contact centre, um, you really don't. I don't. You, just, you don't experience the dynamic um, way of working. Mm. There's always something happening. You've always got to, uh, I guess, in some respect, be adaptable and agile and 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 pivot from one thing to another. You know, you you come in, you set up your day, and then all of a sudden, mm. you know, three hours in, you may have a people issue. You may have you know, an escalation from a client or a member that just railroads your day and being able to, I guess, um, accept that, understand it and navigate through it um, and still be able to deliver on your priorities, I think is really important. I think it's an important lesson to learn in, in leadership. I would say the flip side is also true. If you've only been in high volume, high pressure environments, then moving to a role where it's really quiet and you have to kind of control your own stuff. I actually found that transition harder because I was like, wow, there's nothing like pushing me ahead. There's no like, you know, jump in the current and flow with it. It's, uh, well, I'm in a pond now and, you know, if I stay still long enough, I will (laughs) grow moss on me. (laughs) And with that, I really struggle with that. So, you know, it's that being able to lead in different environments um, is so helpful for how you evolve and and the skills you develop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I've I've worked in um, uh, our our high volume claim team. I've also uh, had the opportunity to work um, in our uh, technical uh, team manager role, which is leading technical consultants, um, which is that, you know, supporting coaching and development uh, area for for our claims business. And yeah, I, I did find that quite challenging because it is about looking at, okay, well, what are we doing delivering as a team? But it's not that constant workflow and, and hitting particular metrics um, uh, as, as, you know, our claims team uh, were at the time so yeah it's a little bit more self-driven and and you know you're taking the step back to have a look at uh, things a little bit more strategically rather than um, just your go 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 uh, you know we need to hit these measurements as we go through our week yeah yeah absolutely um, so I've got one more question to ask you uh, and my question is what advice would you give to someone who's moving from a peer role to a leader role what advice would you give them? That's a, a pretty good question. I think, um, I, I think you know, relying on your peer group relationships is really important. Um, if you've got, and 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 most people will not with everybody, but I think if you're working within a team, you know, you've got um, a number of people you'll have really strong relationships with. Um, and you may have others that, you know, you have that working relationship with, um, but you may not know more about them or a, as much about them as you would with your peers that you've got those really strong connections with. Um, and I think the first thing that I would suggest is, number one, making sure that you're investing time uh, to get to know your people, um, all of your people, and 
um, you can't pick and choose who you lead sometimes. Um, you know, if you go into a leadership role, you've got a team um, and it's about understanding that all of those team members play a role um, and generally a critical role to your success as a leader. Um, so it's really important to get to know each and every person, um, understand, you know, their background, what makes them tick, um, what motivates them. Um, and, and and that gives you the opportunity to really hone in on, um, you know, pulling those little levers, I guess, that um, that people have, pushing the buttons uh, to make sure that, you know, they're able to uh, deliver the things that you need, um, but I think where you're you're identifying your high performers um, as well, uh, you really want to understand, you know, where they want to go, um, what can you do to support them, and um, you know, and 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 I guess take the opportunity to delegate some of the responsibilities as well, um, not to not to to get work off your plate, but to you know help develop. Um, people in line with where they're wanting to go. And I think sometimes um, we can think about motivation for people is monetary a lot of the time, and I don't think it always is. Uh, sometimes it's just a sense of uh, a little bit more responsibility um, that someone's investing in me uh, mm-hmm. and my pathway of where I want to go. And um, and I think, you know, rewarding uh, people saying thank you is really important that recognition uh, within a team environment and using, you know, any sort of recognition platform that you may have within your company is really important too. So that thanks, that praise often goes a long way yeah. uh, for people to deliver and over-deliver for you in the future. Absolutely. Um, I love that your advice is around investing in relationships, which is part of the dynamic leader pathway. So quite relevant to this podcast. Nicely done. <laughs> uh, I there's no commission involved in that, is there? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, so I want to thank you so much for taking time, the time out. Um, for all of our listeners, um, this is the first time I've met Wayne. We connected on LinkedIn and um, and I'm just so grateful that you agreed because I think I was like, are you sure you don't want to come on? I think you'd be a great um, you know, conversation. Um, so hopefully you've got you know value from the conversation. I definitely know our listen- listeners have. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, it's certainly something out of my comfort zone, but um, yeah, something I'm uh, glad uh, that I've done and, and uh, finally met you in, in uh, the virtual sense and had a great conversation. So thanks for having me today. Oh, you're welcome. Um, and thank you for all of our listeners. I look forward to another Dynamic Leader conversation with you soon. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Dynamic Leader. There is no better time than now to work through your leadership and people strategy. To establish what the future might look like for your business and how you might empower your people to help you succeed. It is through building the capability of your people and reducing their dependency on you that will keep you moving forward at pace and will see you remaining relevant in the future. I have worked with over 100 businesses across almost as many industries and seen firsthand the challenges that come with employing, engaging and managing staff. If you're looking to improve how you lead, why not reach out for a conversation? In the meantime, thanks so much for joining me and stay awesome.